Hey there, queerdos. It's Kevin here. And as I am editing this episode, it sounds like for the first 10 minutes that Miss is talking from inside of a metal box. It sounds like we've punished her and banished her to some, like, metal cube. Uh, that was because we were recording on a certain platform, and then we realized it was recording weirdly, so we moved to another platform. And you can definitely hear the difference when we switch over to that one. Anyway, just wanted to give you a heads up. Enjoy the episode! Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts... Miss Evan and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. Let's Welcome to episode 32, Queerdos. Ooh, 32. Welcome. 32. Approaching the mid-30s. What a useless age. What? Yeah, what happened when I was 32? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was rough. I was in law school. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was I in law school at 32. Graduated at 32. Nice. Mm-hmm. Technically, mm-hmm. I did too, because I turned thirty-three the fall after I graduated. Yeah. Well, hey, thirty-two is all about law school. It's all about stress. <laughs> it's all about trauma-blocked memories. <laughs> yep. We don't need to remember it. No, it it'll happens. be like the census. We'll uncover it in like thirty years. We'll we'll open. We'll unseal it then. Exactly. You're now talking to somebody who's newly 35. Yeah. Happy belated birthday, Edie. Thank you. Happy birthday. I was so down about my birthday for a very long time, but a uh, friend of mine who recently went through a health thing put things in perspective. It's like, hey, a birthday is a really good thing. Like, yeah, a birthday is a really good Mm -hmm. thing. And I'm being uh, a baby and also a slave to the patriarchy by being upset about the passage of time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I, we went to brunch and I I was going to say, how did you conform to the patriarchy on your day of birth? uh, By going to brunch and (laughs) eating a breakfast burrito. And I also acquired all of the t-shirts that were on my very specific list for my partner, <laughs> including one is prison abolition. The rest are all Nick Cave, including yeah. the one that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> this audio it. medium, you can see fancy goth Nick Cave. It's Nick Cave in the bad seats. Yeah, this was this was <laughs> 80s Nick when he still did. He did a, a, like Aquanet City. It, it was sprayed mm-hmm. High and proud, and Russell Brand wishes he had Nick Cave's 
early eighties oh, hair. That piece of shit wishes. Yeah. How many Nick Cave shirts do you own? Now, I think I'm at five. Five. Okay. okay. So far. Less I could I do an entire work week of Nick. Yes, you and could. And I, I as you week. know, like, I know that neither of you really care about Nick, but that also does not stop me ever from sending you pictures of him and being like, look at my goth prince. One of these well, days. No, I'll always be. I'll always be excited for you. And if I'm less yeah. familiar, then yeah. you might be. You know, like he sings about murder and the devil, and sometimes Jesus, and often the devil. I mean, that's pretty dope. I'm here for I that. I sent you a picture today of him and Kylie Minogue in 1995, the beautiful, glorious year that they dated. That is Australian that was royalty a year. together. Oh my god, that was a year. They did a song together that is fine. It's not my favorite. It's on an, an album called Murder Ballads, which is full That's of a dope name. songs. It's full of murder ballads. Murder ballads and is one a great of them. Name. And it's the it's a concept album of murder ballads. And one of them is I think it's called Wild Rose. And it's a uh duet with Nick and Kylie of Meet me by the bank of this river. Okay, handsome stranger. Oh, what? But I'm murdering you. Yeah, it's... They call me Wild Rose. It's not a good... It's it's not my favorite song. It's not my favorite song of his. Mm. Listeners, find me on Instagram to hear about my favorite Nick Cave songs, and I'll scream at you about them all day. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Oh. I love it. I love it. Yo, and and I want to, before we ask how our weeks have been, I want to uh, throw a sh- uh, reminder to subscribe and, and, and rate us and download us. Oh, yes. Would you mind? Five stars or I'll write a murder ballad about you. That's Ooh. exactly what I was going to say. And that's a threat. I mean, a promise. Uh, yeah, that, that's a promised threat. How about that? It's in <laughs> Minecraft and not in real life for legal reasons. All right. Well, that's how my week was full of brunch and birthdays and Nick Cave t-shirts. Kev, yes. what, uh, what's your week been looking like? A week. I've been home this whole week. COVID, Ben has hon. got the COVID. But I've oh, been no. testing negative this whole time. But wow. you know, I've still have to stay home. Anyway, <clears throat> so I've been staying home and it's been fun. And right now I'm still sitting on my on my office, which is the couch. Yes. And it's great. Nice. I have my two animals napping next to me. And that's oh, what they usually do during the workday, too. So it is pretty dope. And Ben's feeling better. Oh, I'm glad that he's feeling better. Oh, good, good, good. I forget about him. Yeah. I mean, well, now that you're married and there's nothing to look forward to anymore except the rest of your lives, I mean, forget it. (laughs) It's not like marriage is is work and a huge undertaking that people... You're right. (laughs) ...dedicate their huge amounts of emotional energy to. As the only one here not married, I think you guys are being dramatic. (laughs) It's actually quite easy. 
That's what it looked like. Speaking to as me. someone, yes. speaking as someone yes. that's been married for a month, maybe six weeks. Yeah. I think yeah. it's mm-hmm. easy, easily six weeks. I, speaking I am, of someone whose longest relationship has been four months, um, I think it's pretty easy. I uh, cackle the cackle of somebody who's been married for 10 years. Yeah, I was going to say. How long has it, has it been what 10 years? It, in November, it will be 10 years. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I know. You've been know. married for 10 years? Married yeah. for 10 years. Together for 12. Are you old enough? Were you a, were you a newborn? I, Thank you for saying that. Thank you for assuming that I was a child bride because... Please, were you? The alternative is that time is passing in a way that is too fast. But also too slow. No, I mean, I was, tw- I was fairly young when, uh, when yeah. I got married. I was 25. Oh my God, baby. I was a baby. 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 When it's right, it's right. Yeah, honestly, 20 years right. before that, you were an old... Yeah, I would have, I would have been, she's shriveled up, but at least she's got acreage. So I guess we'll marry her off to our fourth son or something. Well, miss, how's your week been? Oh, well, my week has been great. I met my nephew yesterday. (gasps) Is he as fresh in person as he is in the photos? Yeah. Uh, A thousand times more. Um, he is the sweetest, like, chillest little newborn. He, like, he didn't make any noise. He was very relaxed Aww. in the in the time I was there. Um, he had eaten twice. Oh, um, baby. He's uh, very, he's doing very, very, very well. And so is my sister. And it was really good to see her. Good. Yay. Um, I'm so glad. It was... It was great overall. Yeah, I had a great work. Go to work, baby. Yeah. No, I mean it. That baby needs to get to work right away. No freeloaders. I mean, We're in late-stage already... capitalism. That baby's got to get to work. He's already um, a week old at this point, so I'm sure they've mm-hmm. got a plan. Dragging sure his little baby feet. <laughs> mm. Well, who's doing what this week? Because I'm chilling. I'm just here to listen. Oh, he's just here to well, listen. He's just here to learn. He's not censoring himself in this conversation. You know, he wants to hear the stories of others. I'm every man. I am everyone. Just, I'm every woman. That was beautiful, y'all. That was great. <laughs> okay. Miss, right. you have a true crime story for us today, don't you? Oh, Ooh, but yes, of course. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, but of course. Pour some sugar on me, girl. Mm. I Is love your hair. Was that scary? a weird thing to say? It's it's um it's not a sweet story, but I will pour some sugar on you, or you can. I'd really, you know what? It's a texture thing. Mm-hmm. I if you, <laughs> if you needed to, you could pour it on me. But I prefer to. I don't well, like it. I don't yeah. like it. Well, I don't want to do things that you don't like. I once, I once did a honey mask, and I nearly had a panic attack. Because that sounds unpleasant. It. Like it's, it was like the really expensive, fancy, like hipster 
honey and i just was I it that um manuka honey that's from it australia sure enough it costs, was. yeah it costs manuka. like 35 dollars jars yeah oh yeah yeah but okay but no this week's story um unfortunately is not sweet but because it's i am doing sweet. true crime i if you were expecting that that's on you so yeah, that's, that's I true. thought it was going to be sweet. I thought it was going to be the story of Willy Wonka capturing and enslaving all those Oompa Loompas. <gasps> if I could find the documents, Edie, that would be my story. Disclosure as now. As, as, <laughs> disclosure now. We demand uh, answers. Exactly. As soon as we get information, that will be the story I'm covering. But instead... I am doing a request from our biggest fan, <gasps> my, our sister-in-law of the pod, Ooh, uh, yes. Rachel, requested this Rachel. one specifically from me. Thank so, you, Rachel. Just, yeah. So thanks, Rachel. Um, thanks. Hope I don't fuck it up. But and let's don't do it. Fuck it up. And don't fuck it up. Rue, who invited you? All right. In the fall of 1941, Helen Peters was in the hospital recovering from a broken hip and a broken thigh she suffered after a fall. Hmm. This meant that Peter Phillips, her husband, was on his own for going on five weeks now. His neighbors invited Philip over every evening for company and a hot meal with leftovers to take for lunch the next day. That's sweet. It's very nice. He, I mean, yeah. he was in his seventies, so okay. it was very nice. That they... so it's it's not like, but no, because at first something <laughs> like you can't make a grilled cheese. First, that was like my thought. I was like, "Come on, dude!" But then I was thinking, like, this is also like an older man. It's not just like about cooking. It's like he's just alone yeah. all the time. Yeah, because his and wife's been in the hospital for so long. Yeah, that's very rough. But also, grilled cheese is like good. Good to know how to make. When Philip didn't show for dinner on Tuesday, October 7th, 1941, his neighbors were worried. She knew he hadn't been doing well with his wife in the hospital and went to see if he was all right. But no one came to the door when she rang the bell and the house was completely dark. She gathered a group of neighbors and they returned to the Peters house. They tried all the doors, but they were all locked as long as the, as well as the window screens. Okay. Girl, and that wasn't that wasn't regular. No, apparently not. Like apparently, I mean, number one, it was the forties, so I don't think most places people were habitually locking their doors. Mm-hmm. But also, like his neighbor, his next door neighbor specifically knew that um for the back door anyway, that was always left open. Like he would leave for work in the morning. He never locked that door. So it was unusual that all of the doors were locked. Mm. Unusual. Unusual. It's interesting. It's unusual. (laughs) So a girl from the neighborhood, don't know how old she was. She was just described as a girl, found one screen that was loose. And because of that, the group was able to pry the window open, but not that far. Uh So they sent in the little girl into (gasps) the house. I mean... I mean, well, practically I speaking, yeah, sure, you need somebody small, but like, no, she's gonna. Also, find now we're breaking and entering. Yeah, yeah. We're breaking and entering. Poor girl. 
It's a it's a wellness check, but that kid's about yeah, to see something nasty. Shove yeah. yourself through this little hole right here, kid, and then yeah. hopefully you don't find anything crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like <laughs> excellent forties voice, Kev. It really was, Thank Kev. You. That was that was wonderful. Um, really good. But like also, just like you're worried that something horrible happened to him, and you're sending in a child. Yeah, send in a child. Okay. You so, witness anyway. it. So they propped her up, pushed her in, and she walked through the dark house. And then the only thing they heard were her screams. Oh, oh no. yeah, because she yeah. saw something bad. No, that was going to happen. <laughs> what is this? A true crime story? Right. <laughs> right. Remember, we're, this is not soft and sweet. Um, what she found was Philip Peters. The kindly 73-year-old retired railroad auditor was found murdered. He had, in the house he had lived in with his wife for over 40 years. When police arrived, they discovered the body was bloody, half-dressed, and barefooted and had been beaten. Um, He had been hit more than a dozen times. It just said a dozen blunt force trauma wounds to his skull. Um. Luckily, I guess they said that um, he was most likely dead after the second one. Here's hoping. Silver lining. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Like they, I think what I read said like any of them could have been fatal. So So let's hope it was like the first one or two. Yeah, no, I'm hoping it's the first one. Yeah, but someone speculated second, so I'm really hoping it was one, maybe two. Because, I mean, if you get this, like, if you get one in, you're stunned, you're not processing what's mm-hmm. happening. And then by this time, the second one, that was dark. That was darkness. God, can't go down I that mean, road anymore. That was dark. <laughs> darkness on a true crime podcast? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about I know. that. That's inappropriate. I know. I'm so sorry. The police found his watch and money laying on the dresser, which ruled out robbery as a motive. The Mm. front door was locked with a key secured in it, and the chain was also done, which could have only been done from inside the home, and that, like we said before, the back door was locked as well. In the kitchen, they found two cast iron shakers, and I don't know what that means. I don't know what a cast iron shaker is, but they found one that was super heavy maracas. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm just thinking of like like an old ball bearings inside it. Sure. Let's (laughs) yes, that's perfect. So there was two of those and one was like, clearly hadn't been moved or touched in a long time. It was coated in dust. And then the other one was newly cleaned and next to it was a damp towel that had blood stains on it. Hmm. You know, when you get, you know when you get murdered by a giant iron cast iron maraca? That's yeah. just what the yep. weapon is. Sorry, y'all. I've made that. Yeah. Decision. Honestly, cast iron maraca. I'm picturing it. Ooh, and new it's band great. name. Cast, cast iron maraca. maraca. Oh, like death metal mariachi. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. The mashup we didn't know we needed. And then, so this is this is uh, a quote. The police believe the killer to be giant in size and blood crazy, and he or she vanished without a trace. <laughs> blood crazy is perfect. We're looking for a a giant blood crazy ghost. 
that sounds plausible. That sounds yeah. absolutely yeah. like that's what right. happens. Sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, yeah. that sounds good. Sounds good. That checks sounds, out. Sounds that checks mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Investigators searched the whole house. They found nothing. The only thing they found really was like a this tiny sort of trap door to the attic, but it was so narrow, there was no way a person could fit through it. And um, honestly, after that, the case was completely cold. There was no witnesses. There weren't, there was no, you know, it's 1941. There's no forensic evidence to link anybody to it yet. So um, you wipe it down and get gone, like perfect murder, nineteen forty-one. Amateur move. Yeah, seriously, and it looked like clean off the other one too. Just yeah, honestly, honestly, he could have just washed both of them. They could have just washed both of them. For a while, nothing happened with the case. As January came, it was bitter cold, and the temperatures remained below zero for several days. One day, a group of children hurried by the bungalow and reported seeing a light inside the empty house going on and off. Mm. And then it's a ghost. Yeah. And then one neighbor reported she had seen a ghost face inside the shadowy window. Yeah, because it's a neighbor. <laughs> the mm-hmm. neighborhood gossip said the house was full of quote haunts end quote, which I guess haunts. means ghosts. It's full it's of haunts. Full of haunts. Also, like, poor Helen Peters, she had broken her hip and her thigh, and her husband died. Mm. So in February of 1942, she was released, um, and she went home. But to one the night, same house? Ugh. Yeah, like, well, this was, like, back then, you know, like, this was, like, our home. They had lived there for yeah, 40 years. Yeah. Like, nothing was going to take her, you know, out of her home. I mean, I guess. So, I don't. I mean, I understand it intellectually. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know how someone in her position at that age in that year would be able to, like, yeah, do anything. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, that's very right. That could just be presumptuous of me. I mean, at this point, it's like no let it ride. Yeah, we don't know how old Mrs. Peters is, but seeing as um, Mr. Peters is seventy three, and she still has a broken hip. And thigh that she's remembering from. Well, almost immediately after she was released, something startled her and she fell and refractured her thigh. No, Helen. Yeah. Helen. It's it's not a good year for Helen. Hell. Yeah. So so she had to go back in the hospital for two more months. But in April 1942, she was released again and she was advised to not be home alone. So she hired a nurse slash housekeeper. And so Helen's told not to be alone. Is that because yeah. of her health or because of the ghost? Uh, no, it's it's because of her health. Because the last Doctor's time orders. she was I heard there's ghosts in your house. And you can't <laughs> sit in there with a broken hip. They're drawn to that. Yeah. So, you know, like she rebroke her thigh because she was startled. So they were just worried about her falling again or whatever, just to keep an eye on her. Plus, yeah. like, I mean, her husband had died. Like, I'm sure she'd never lived there by herself. Fair. You know, one night the nurse reported there were, quote, goings on inside the walls and rattling noises, end quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, an investigation goes, in yeah. <laughs> an investigation into... <laughs> oh, an investigation into the noises just didn't disclose anything. But a few days later, she reported seeing a spook on the back stairs and chattered its teeth at her. She immediately resigned. A caring neighbor stepped in to take care of Mrs. Peters. Oh. The chattering teeth? No, that is, ma'am. Uh, 
hair no, just like just like right yeah. in your Ooh, face. No, I hate that. No, I hate it. Sounds I don't like it. Me neither. I, like I hate mouth sounds. I, w- I hate them all. Would have quit too. Um, some report GTFO. Seriously, yeah. So some reports actually say that the nurse ran screaming from the house, um, and that's honestly more believable to me because that's what I would have been doing. Yeah, and they're well, all saying ghost, and they're not saying like there's a dude murderer. in the house. Yeah, no, nobody is saying there is somebody in the house. Everyone wow. is like weird, right? That's oh, it's <laughs> a lot of just like. I mean, it's nineteen forty. Huh. It's nineteen forty-one. I think they assumed that Philip Peters was like murdered by like, you know, a transient. I don't think that they were at all concerned that there was not a, you know, that there could have been like a person like, behind even this. So, yeah. Even so, I know. I a person is being viewed in this house and they're all just like by multiple people, not just this one old lady. No, it's not a person. So it's like, but and then none of them are like, is there a person there? <laughs> it's a goddamn ghost. Ghost. <laughs> nice. That's great. Yeah. So quote, one woman fled in terror saying she would not stay in a haunted house. Another handed in her resignation when she spotted a pale, bony hand sliding around an open door. Oh, no, 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 no. Like a dementor. Mm -mm. Yep, exactly. That's what I thought of, too. (laughs) And this is where I had to end my research last night because it was late and I had started to creep myself out because I was alone. (laughs) And um, spooked yourself. Yeah, so I just instead I went to bed and then started anew this morning. And then several days after this, the neighbor believed she heard a mysterious noise. And without turning on the light, she hurried to her kitchen window to investigate. When she looked through, she saw a ghost at the foot of the stairs. She told investigators it was, quote, a filthy wraith-like thing that vanished (sighs) when she screamed and she didn't know where it went. No, no, no. Yeah. It's a dude. No, I think this might also hiding be in the house. People, people are thinking it's a ghost because everybody keeps saying that it disappears. Like yeah. it vanishes or it disappears. Like this is the third sighting right, where they said right. that. Right. This yes, like so super what? skinny, skin and bones creature. This, feral yeah. creature just disappears. It's like because there was this shadow in the there was like the face in the window. And there mm-hmm. was all of the women, the, lights. the nurses who were working there. The and lights then they are turning on and off like it's yeah. fucking the Morse code at the end of Parasite. Yes. Well, this whole story is reeking of Parasite. I was <laughs> about to say. It reeks of Parasite. Reeks. I never saw it. <gasps> it's we so good. It. I know. It's I'm so good. sorry. It's I'll watch good. it. I'll watch it. I know. Song I don't Kong know why Ho is one of the world's great actors. Mm. Okay. Mm. I believe it. He's He's truly incredible. He's excellent in every movie he's ever been in. I mean, I've heard, I've only heard incredible things about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just one of those things um, where I'm not a well person. And if enough people recommend something to me, I don't want it anymore. So I think that might've been the case with Paris. It's a hipster affliction. I suffer from the same. I don't, it's not intentional. And I don't think that I'm Listeners, if you too suffer from this affliction, you can dial (laughs) 1-800- No, I, I, it's nothing I do consciously. It's subconscious. It's not like, okay, well, that's the third person who recommended it to me, so I'm not watching yeah. this. It's like, I don't It's like, I'm going to rewatch Shit's Creek for the fourth time instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
party. For no reason. But I will watch that. Is it weird that my partner and I have been watching almost nonstop episodes of Divorce Court for the last three days? No, I think it's healthy. You're looking for signs, and I think it shows that you're okay. Yeah, you're Uh, working. I mean, it depends. Are you bonding together? We are. are, We're talking about it. He is getting. He gets (laughs) so into it. Last night when I was working on my story, we were watching it, and he just like I'm watching videos for research, and I just hear out of the corner of my ear, I hear, I hear him go like, "Oh, come on." Um, and I highly recommend the episodes with um, Judge Lynn Toller. She doesn't wear a robe, judge's robe, oh, yeah. because it's Work. the it's the thinnest premise that it's any kind of actual court show. It, the true. the set looks like it's church. It's just praise and worship. And uh, Judge Lynn Toller <laughs> wears she always wears a different huge statement necklace. Oh fuck! Okay. Yes. All yeah. right. To All right. for it with Judge Lynn Toller. Anyway, back to this ghost in the walls. Okay. Ghosts. They're in the walls. All right. So even though the police never found anything, they decided to periodically keep watch on the house. And at the insistence of her relatives, Mrs. Peters went to live with her son in Western Colorado, which I think is for the best for yeah, a call. multitude of reasons. The house stayed vacant, but that didn't stop reports of what was now known as the Moncrief Ghost. It was called the Moncrief Ghost because the Peters' house was on Moncrief Place. Oh, oh, I see. Creative. Yeah, it was very creative. The strange things kept happening even after Helen left, though. Hmm. Except one person in the house just stop this you're being incredibly presumptuous i know my head's in the clouds yeah Mm -hmm. and there are conflicting reports i don't know if there were officers stationed outside of the house or they were doing just like a cursory you know drive by and they stopped for a moment but in july of 1942 two officers from the denver police department were looking out across the street from the home quote The sun was getting low and the postman came down the street making his deliveries. The men had been watching him. One of them caught a fleeting glimpse of a hobgoblin face momentarily in the aperture (laughs) between the curtains and the bungalow. Elbowing the other man, he too caught the movement in the window and experienced a great chill at the nape of his neck and in his guts. A little silly, he thought. Ghosts have no way of doing that to you. Apparently the figure in the window was also watching the postman. (gasps) Yes! I just, the writing, the writing here. And this quote is uh, from, what is it? Prisonmuseum.org. And just okay. whoever wrote this article, just wow. it's beautiful. But yeah, so he was described as a hobgoblin face. Man. Momentarily visible. Please describe me as blood crazy. Please don't describe <laughs> me as having a hobgoblin, hobgoblin face. Hobgoblin face. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to get hobgoblin. That's all. That's what I'm going to get. Again, most of this is going to come in quotes because I just love the noir accents that come with it. The two policemen took off across the street as one of them was blowing the whistle between his teeth for assistance. And the face at the window had vanished when their shoulders broke down the door. The two men began to search the lower level with hackles of bristle and the rooms reeked with a strange animal smell. More men were arriving as the two headed upstairs just in time to see a closet door swinging shut across the room. 
As one of the men opened the closet, he saw two bare feet kicking violently. Above Mm. the feet were the lower ends of what appeared to be the most ragged pair of trousers in the world. The cop made a flying grab for the pants leg, but it ripped off in his hands. He grabbed one dangling foot with both hands and hung on. The closet was so small, no one else could help him. He gave a hearty wrench at the ankle, and it touched off a ghostly yell of pain in the attic above the closet. What popped out was not a ghost, but a scrawny, smelly man dressed in rags that were held together by strings. He fainted as he was dragged out from his hiding place. That he, the cop tugged on his pants, and they just disintegrated they just they just ripped on oh god so Edie, you may have actually been right in saying it was a dude and not a ghost wow shock horror kill surprise kill surprise (laughs) so how are we doing (laughs) oh i mean (laughs) i thought that this was a I had had this story confused with a different okay. secret guy in a house story that I'm sure will be and the I, subject yes. of a future episode. Can, can, so mm-hmm. this one, I don't think I know about. <gasps> really? Wow. I know. Shocker. Okay. All right. So about How five many minutes secret later, guy in the walls of a house story are there? I don't know, but apparently it's epi- an epidemic. One too many. And I, uh, I, there could just be like four people living in the walls of my house right now. Yeah. Although yeah. I will take heart in knowing that like these walls are so thin, there's no chance. So mm-hmm. You'd hear I them. actually, because like, you know, there's no insulation at all. But again, even if I did hear him, I would just be like, that's a cat. Yeah, That's cat. you got two of them. Yeah, and they make a lot of they make a lot of noise. Anyway, anyway, about five minutes later, the scarecrow of a man who was described as his clothing's in tatters and here insufferably filthy, and his hair noisome in a noisome tangle, he was laid outstretched on the bedroom floor, regaining consciousness. <laughs> the police captain ordered them to get a doctor and an ambulance, as the man was barely alive. He looked like he was starved. Quote, the worst case of malnutrition I have ever seen, end quote, declared the Oof. ambulance doctor who examined him. Oof. I've been there for months and months. Yeah. Um, he, he, Peters, Philip Peters died in October and this is July. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That's a yeah, while. So, yeah. At just around six feet tall, the man weighed only 75 oh whoa i don't know how he was alive but wow yeah so um the hole in the attic where he was eventually found was described as not quite three times the size of a cigar box lid when one of the men attempted to get himself through, he found the hole was not big enough, and the room in the attic was but a few sizes larger than a coffin. Oh, my God. A small wow. incandescent bulb hung from a wire in the rafters, and the whole place had an overpowering animal stench in the air. Jesus. And- so this hole was like three oh, times it the was- cigar box lid, like a, like a placemat. Like big. basically, like a big placemat to and get then into. You get into a space. And there's that almost is, no room. You just lay in it, and that's it. Yeah. And there's just like, like a naked light bulb. 
Oh, it's like God. not enough room for like, there's like, you're going to, we'll see later. His bed was basically like the bottom of his bed was a, an ironing board. Oh, so, and that was nerd. like the most, the like the longest space in there. Oh God. Yeah. Like at a certain point, just get caught guy. Yeah. Is it that much worse? Lateral mm-hmm. move, maybe. No, it, it's, I think it's more than a lateral move. I think it's an improvement. Yeah, uh... But uh, so, who exactly did the feet belong to? You say one of you asked. Whose ghost. feet? <laughs> correct, ghost feet. Kevin. Kevin, you yeah. you are correct. Thank you. Well, they were actually the feet of Theodore Edward Conies. Conies was born November tenth, eighteen eighty two, in Petersburg, Illinois, to T. H. Conies, a Canadian immigrant who owned a hardware store in Petersburg, and his wife who was not allowed to have a name because it was the 1880s. She is either described as his wife or Mrs. Coney's or Mrs. T.H. Coney's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Great. In 1888, Mr. Coney's died. So Mrs. Coney's moved her son to a farm in Wisconsin for a short time before moving to Denver, Colorado in 1907. There, she worked as a housekeeper at the Denver Democratic Club, and she died in Denver in 1911. Now, Coney suffered poor health from birth, and physicians from Illinois to Colorado had told him and his parents that he would not see his 18th birthday. Believing it ultimately pointless, he did not finish high school. And fortunately, yeah. or unfortunately, depending on your feelings at the end of the story, he did not die before his 18th birthday. Uh-huh. As after his mother died and he grew up, um, he, he had a few jobs, but he couldn't hold them because he was constantly ill. And then by 1917, he had started drifting. He was uh, a hobo. So he was just hopping trains and going from town to town looking for work. He did work as a bookkeeper. He did work in sales, advertising, but ultimately spent most of his adult life homeless because his illness meant that he lost almost every job he had and he had nowhere to go. Yeah. I mean, the, the drifter lifestyle is not an easy one. So no, he's no. Got, no. For, for a guy who's that ill, I mean, he's yeah. got some resilience. Seriously. And I mean, living in that little tiny attic for a super long time that takes a lot of physical resilience as well so scary in 1899 philip peters had just started his career at the railroad office he and his new bride helen had just purchased a new bungalow on moncrief place in denver's middle north side quote one night there was music coming from the little house a slender youth passed through to peer through the curtains of the parlor window he carried a mandolin and the hurried excursion from the streetcar had made him cough. Several couples were busy strumming at the strings of mandolins. The watching youth knew that they were waiting for him to show them how to twitch gay chords as he could do mm-hmm. so well. What did you just call me? Yeah. No, I guess <laughs> he, I guess he was like day. really, really jazzy at the mandolin. So, um, so he, he was he they were waiting for the, his to, way to a little mandolin lesson. Yeah. For he was the, leading a, a lesson. For the Peterses and others, huh? That's mm-hmm. so weird. So they So they were part of the mandolin club and like the mandolin oh. club meetings would meet at various members' homes, but mainly the Peters 
they mainly had it at their home. But the mandolin mm-hmm. club was in full swing waiting for the teacher to show up for the newest lesson. The teacher was 17-year-old Theodore Coney's. Quote, there were many nights in the autumn of 1899 when the ailing youth with long slender fingers and feverish eyes was the only guest when the Peters had asked him to dine with them. He told them he had not finished high school, that his mother wouldn't let him get a job and how he was probably going to die soon anyway. He Hmm. told them about his boyhood in Illinois, how his father died when he was an infant, and he talked about wanting to to swing a bat and play baseball, but it was bad for his heart. And he also talked about how much he hated people for staring and laughing at him. And he wanted to live a life off by himself where he couldn't hear people mock him. Oh gosh. That's so sad. And also like, I know the people, one of whom he's Mm going to end up Mm -hmm. killing were Mm -hmm. just like nice to him. Yeah. Yeah. Just part of the little mandolin club. It's such a bummer. It's just sad all around, honestly. Yeah, that's a real fucking bummer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's not going to get better, but. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, several years later, on a snowy evening, when Phil Peters was leaving work, he brushed shoulders with a shabby, slender figure. It was Coney's. He told Phil how his mother had lost their money to some men who had talked her into selling her property in Illinois and investing in a mine out there, but they never saw them or their money again. Peters invited him to dinner and relayed that he was in the advertising business downtown and was currently taking care of his mother, so he had nothing to spare otherwise. The next time Philip Peters saw Coney's was in the spring of 1912, when they, I don't know what the situation was, I just know that it said he talked about his mother's death and how he just kept living but didn't know what to do. Quote, he never told him about the time he sought to get into the army and was laughed at, and he never told him about being a frail hobo coughing his lungs out in a jungle under a bridge in California or the flop house and shadows where he stayed, end quote. Oh. So they've known each other for, like, decades. Yeah, I mean, known each other loosely. But, loosely. yeah, I mean, they've had, like... Yeah, I mean, like, it's like, you know, if you saw him on the street, you'd be like, that's Theodore Coney's. Maybe we should have him over for dinner. It looks like he's not been eating. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. But back in 1942. Once the frail Mm -hmm. man had regained consciousness, he was taken to police headquarters where he was plied with food and he told his story. The hole in the ceiling led to the lair of the Denver Spider-Man, which is the one that stuck. But it was lined with filthy blankets, and there was an ironing board and stacks of newspapers, some 20 years old, that had been fashioned into a bed. Other items, like empty bottles, cans of tomatoes, a light bulb, and a radio were crammed into the space, and the stench was overwhelming. Yeah, it's going to be stinky in there. It's going to be incredibly stinky in there. That was July, too, right? It was it was July. Ooh. It was July and there was not air conditioning. Ooh. After a meal and a bath, the man offered his name and age. Theodore Edward Coney is 59. 59? Yeah. Remember he wasn't supposed to live past 18? 59? Yeah. Yep. 75 pounds living in that tiny little box? Yeah. For half a year? Feeling fine at 59. 
feeling yeah, fine at 59, I don't know 59 that he years was fine. feeling fine, but he was alive. And that's about all you could say for him. Wow. Quote, I thought this attic would be my shelter. I would sneak out at night and get bits of food from the icebox and they wouldn't even know I was there. And it worked fine until the old man woke up one night and saw me raiding his fridge. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. Originally, Coney's plan was to go to the Peters' home to ask for money, and he set up a plan where the two would accidentally bump into one another. And the meet-cute worked. Coney's told Peters his story and asked for help. Unfortunately, with Helen in the hospital... And their advanced age, he didn't have anything extra to give to the middle-aged man. Mm. Quote, I was in the neighborhood in September 1941 and found the house unlocked and no one home. So I went in and stole some food. I was in bad shape. My lungs were giving me a lot of trouble and I was at the end of my rope. Fall was coming on and I couldn't face another winter on the road. I had to have a place to stay. I didn't know Mrs. Peters was in the hospital. And I found the hole in the closet and climbed through and slept and slept. Uh, I mean, like a really big part of me gets it. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, just human instinct. I mean, not even human. And then you get caught and you freak out and you grab something and you hit the guy. And you hit the guy a bunch because you're in a freaked out state. You got to make sure you hit him once and you're like, oh shit, I've got to make sure that he's dead. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in a completely animal state right now, right? You're yeah. he's living like an animal, like a raccoon, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Like Absolute I picture survival. if this was a cartoon, he's a raccoon. And that's what it is. It's just survival. Like when you think about it, like this is like if you think about like an old sick animal, what yeah. do they do? They find they try to find shelter. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is so just, no, really should he sad. it doesn't mean he was allowed to break into their house or to steal their food or to kill Mr. Peters. Nope. But yeah, I I get can't why it happened for and trying I, to I have a Paul. lot of yeah. sympathy for him. Yeah. I really I do, do too. I really feel bad for Mr. and Mr. Peters, but I actually I have a lot of sympathy for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's all it's just really sad all around. It is. It sucks. Yeah. It's it's horrible all around. Like there's yeah. no like vindication or like um, mm-hmm. there's no feel good ending, you know. It's just sad and more sad. Spider Man, Spider Man, Parker, I need those pictures <laughs> of Spider Man. Yeah, J. Jonah just- Jameson is great for this time. Of the ah, oh, it's great for this time. Of the, yeah, 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 sack of potatoes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sack of potatoes. Sack of potatoes. <laughs> this old so and so. Sorry. Please give it to me. Quote, everything would have been all right. And Phil Peters would have been alive alive today if he hadn't caught me robbing the icebox. It was him or me. I thought he had gone out, but he was only taking a nap. Peters didn't recognize me. I guess I've changed a lot in 30 years. Oh, yeah. I grabbed an old revolver hanging from the wall and whacked Peters on the head. He said he was going to call the police. So I followed him and hit him again. I grabbed the stove shaker and continued the attack. I just kept hitting him until he didn't move anymore. When it was over, I ran to the attic after I washed and dried the shaker. I was sitting on the trap door when you were pounding on it from below that night you found him. Oh, wow. Um, And he's speaking to police, obviously. But um, he, there he stayed. That's creepy as shit, Uh, by the way. Yeah, it is. It's really creepy. 
Um, and we also have a further hint. He said stove shaker. So yes, stove what, shaker. Well, a stove shaker. Yeah, yeah. It shakes, stove let's shaker. Get shook. It, it shakes the stove. I mean, if this is if, I'm paying important. If this is these are the old, important details, clearly. No, yeah. So if this is an old house in 1942, maybe it's like an older type of like a maybe. Like are you shaking the coals around? Shaking the coals in your coal stove. Cast iron. Cast iron stove stove shaker. shaker. Let's see. Um, not helpful. Oh, like a handle. I think it it looks like a handle actually. Okay. All right. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, whatever. It's a cast iron right. stove shaker. People get that's into it, it. Get into it. This mm-hmm. get into this jish. Yep. So there, after the murder, there he stayed through winter, almost freezing to death in the unheated house. For water, he would sneak onto the roof like a spire Ooh. to get snow to melt, and he subsisted <gasps> on cornmeal, preserves, and canned food he found in the basement. Okay, a lot of this was his doing you know what i mean like couldn't you like spend time in the house or so he was worried about getting caught so like By you already st- know how the nose the get neighbor caught, buddy at this point he's trying caught. to survive you know i think it's because I know, honestly i, I thought yeah, the same point, thing it's like this is the only honestly thing i thought the do. same thing and then when i heard there was a basement i'm like why didn't you just stay down what? there so you could move yeah like, like why I don't know. I think it's just pure panic and instinct. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Well, um, I think he's a sack of potatoes. That's what I think. People can go in the basement. I think he has a sack of potatoes. Eventually, he was tried and found guilty for first-degree murder and got a life sentence at the Colorado State Penitentiary in Canyon City, Colorado, where he worked as a librarian. Oh. And just like Eddie Gein... Theodore Coney's thrived in captivity. Okay. Life behind bars turned yes. out to be softer than trying to make it on his own. Uh-huh. There were bars yeah. at the windows and there were hundreds of books on the shelves around him, but he was clean, his hair was cut, and he had put on weight. The long, thin, spidery fingers that once plucked the strings of the mandolin was now plucking books off the shelf. And he was in no hurry as he did so. While serving his sentence, he was in his new jungle, safe from the onslaught of the world. How old do you think he was when he died? Just guess. Oh, this gosh. incredibly unhealthy man who had a really rough life. I mean, I'm going to say he's like, did he, he make like it 80 to 80? Something? He was 85. 85. 85. Fuck off. All right. I can understand. Oh, this man so he spent his good, life almost dead. He lived a he good lived 25 years prison. in prison. And his is one of the, I mean, prison's no place no. for anyone, but I understand how his the structure life, compared to how yeah, I can understand why it, people can sometimes thrive in those been, environments. Yeah, might have been. Oh, I think so him. too. So I like, mean, not necessarily like it doesn't have to necessarily be, be like the prison environment, but it's just something structured that tells him. That gives him purpose yeah. and that takes care of his needs. Ultimately, the man needed someone to care about him and um, maybe a backup yeah. plan if he didn't die when he was 18. Because I was thinking 
Yeah, that there was no yeah. backup plan. And I was for thinking him. about this. If that you there was no if you lived your entire life thinking you were gonna die when you were 18, I think I I think you would find yourself easily homeless by the time you reached an adult. Because you're yeah, just big time. you know. I wouldn't have, there's no chance I would have finished school. There's no chance I would have been focused on getting a job. Like right. I would have been like, I've got like a year yeah. left. I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I want until I die. Yeah. And any year past 18 is just like, well, well I can't believe I'm still time, here. So what's the point? <laughs> Cut to, yeah. Yeah. There's 40 there's, years later, you're living in an to attic. Being 85. Cut to being 59, living in an attic and murdering a man and oh living like a God. spider. That was only that, his like third oh. or fourth chapter of his life. Yeah, no, that was like not at all like the yeah. main story. That wasn't life. the end of his story. No, and then he had like twenty twenty five years, years in prison. In prison. Wow. And, yeah. So that is the Denver Spider Man. <gasps> Rachel. Ugh. Incredible, oh, Rachel. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. And yeah. Miss, thank you yes. so much. For a story very yes, well yes, told. Yes. I, Thank you. <laughs> I um I want to tell you, Melissa, you are not crazy. We have talked about this on the podcast before. We have. Okay. Okay. We just didn't do a story about it. What I had said was on uh, the Daniel LaPlante episode. That That's, episode made me think. I was like, "Oh my god, did we already do a man in the wall?" <laughs> yes, like when we were talking, I was like, Got "I it. almost yeah. did this other one," but then mm. I, I was like, "Daniel Lapine oh. had this whole mm. other murder afterwards," so I went with him. But yeah. that's why. Yeah. No, my I. But didn't I'm so glad you told it. it. Yeah, I didn't think about it for one second until we were just till we just hit record, and I was like. Oh no, did we already do this? We would make it work. Oh yeah. We would. We would just we oh, would yeah. just really it would just be a short spoopy episode, that's all. <laughs> and here I was listening to the beginning bit of it being like, "Oh, this doesn't really jive with the you know with what i thought that this was i think i know i was thinking of a totally different guy secretly in a house mm-hmm. story miss you know what yeah, this one is a I'm cross-country adventure oh eventually the one that one you're then. thinking about edie it's a, it's love, a love story, story that spans the continent wow the okay. north american continent it's a good story and somebody now has that to tell on your it. list i feel like i feel like a I feel like um, we have true crime, creepy, spoopy, and people in the walls. Yeah. I think that's like, that's that's a whole subsection subsection that we're really focusing on in 2022. That's our vibe. Yeah. Speaking of spoopy, who who, is it Edie? 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 It is me. It is me. And you know what? We're going to get right into it. Hell yeah. Get me into it. Yes. Rare to be able to tell a truly topical spoopy story. Okay. But thank okay. Satan that opportunity Hail presented Satan. itself this very week. Okay. The story and? begins in 1979. Oh, okay. All right. On a Friday afternoon that June, a very fancily dressed gray-haired man showed up in Elbert County, Georgia. 
Is, okay. is this Willy Wonka? Are we really doing yeah, this? Yeah, this is how Willy Wonka uh, captured and enslaved <laughs> the Oompa Loompas. That's what I... That's what Timothy Chalamet is going to do. That's, yeah. He's going to do a gritty Wonka who gritty enslaves Wonka people reason. and fucks. Hell yeah. Well, you okay. know, he is doing the He is doing uh, a young, he's doing a young Wonka and he wears a like a Wonka. hat made out of chocolate. It's going to be really stupid. Oh my God. I'm going to watch it, but I'm going to be mad about it. Okay. Edie, uh, mm-hmm. I ask, never mind. Continue. I, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I am not okay. taking questions at this time. Okay. Fair enough. So this guy, this like elegant guy, went mm-hmm. to the offices of Elberton Granite Finishing and mm-hmm. introduced himself as Robert C. Christian. He okay. said he represented a small group of loyal Americans who needed some mm-hmm. help building a very big project. Red flag. Christian came Red to flag. Elberton because it was the granite capital of the world, and he believed that its quarries would produce the very best stone. And he needed okay. the best. Okay. Joe Fendley, who was the president of Elberton Granite, couldn't believe what he was hearing. This guy was asking for huge fucking stones, larger than mm. any that had been quarried in the county before, and he wanted them mm. cut and finished and put together in a huge monument. Nice. I have so many ideas. I have so many I ideas know. of what this is going to be. Miss, you don't know? I don't know. You'll know. Ooh. You'll know. Fendley asked Christian a pretty solid question. What's this thing for? Uh (laughs) Christian explains that the structure would be a compass, a calendar, and a clock, and it would be engraved with a set of principles written in eight languages. Oh, and it had to be huge and strong enough to withstand most catastrophic events because this monument was to be a guide to those few human beings who would survive the coming destruction of civilization. So Fenley Uh, doesn't want to deal with Christian after hearing all this stuff. So to scare him off, yeah, he's not into it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To scare him off, he quoted an enormous price, way, way, way higher than he'd ever quoted anyone. Deal. Christian, yes, Christian was completely (laughs) unfazed, and he just asked how long it was going to take. And Fendley's okay. like, I don't know, maybe six months, but I'm not doing any work on this until I know that you can pay for it because it's going to be yeah. mega expensive. So we sent Christian to a guy named Wyatt Martin, who was the president of the Granite City Bank. This town's all about granite. Right away, Christian sets, sits down in this meeting with Martin and he says, look, R.C. Christian's a fake name. Me and my group have been planning this secretly for 20 years and we want to remain anonymous forever (laughs) bold so many questions i have no idea what's happening so martin the banker is like hey man i have to verify your identity and get some kind of assurance that this thing can be paid for so they come up with an agreement right it's not just Mm -hmm. gonna be going off what you say christian would tell martin his real name and all the information needed to get these financials in order if Martin the banker promised to be Christian's sole intermediary, never disclose Christian's identity to anyone, and destroy all documents related to the project when it was finished. Deal. Deal. Christian settled up with Martin the banker and Fenley the granite guy. He sent a $10,000 deposit to the bank, and he left Elbert County forever. He just 
sent letters to Martin from different cities around the country, never in the same place twice. Okay. Eventually, for $5,000, a five-acre plot was secured for the project, known as the Georgia Guidestones. Dun, dun, dun. What? What? Why? Yeah. Why? We're talking Guidestones, baby. Ooh, ooh, Wait, Kevin, ooh. do you know these two? Yes. Yeah. They've I've recently never... been in the news. I'm not going to say why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't watch. This is a, this <laughs> is a topical this. spoopy story. Yes, it okay. is. Okay. Good call. Okay. I had a different story written in the bag. And then this week happened and was like, Mm -hmm. I, I have to drop everything and do the Georgia Guidestones. Obviously. Well, I like the way you think. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, please, please tell me. I, I have so many questions. I literally don't know where to start. Oh, please. Miss, get ready because this story is delicious and- Ready. You'll hear it and you'll be like, oh, this is everything that Edie is into. Okay. This is like all, this is like Edie's perfect story. A microcosm of all of the things that, that Edie's oh, into. Now my, okay. Now I need more information because my imagination is going. All right. So let's get back into it. So a few okay. weeks after this plot of land is secured. Christian wrote Martin instructing that ownership of the lands and the eventual monument should be transferred to Elbert County itself. And Elbert County Mm -hmm. still owns it. For his whole life, Martin has claimed to be the only person to know the identity of R.C. Christian, and he says he'll take that secret to his grave. All right. Okay. The astrological specifications for the Guidestones, because there are astrological specifications, were so complex that an astronomer from the University of Georgia had to help put the design together. What? There's four outer slabs. They had to be oriented to accommodate the sun's movements throughout the year. There was a center column that needed to have a little hole through which you could always see the North Star, as well as a slot that would align Mm -hmm. with the position of the rising sun during each of the solstices and each of the equinoxes. And on a capstone at the very top, there had to be a little opening where a beam of sunlight would pass through at noon every day and would shine on the center stone in such a way that indicated the day of the year. So it's all these very, very precise uh, specifications so that you could have a light shining through this uh, structure in different ways. Might but, I ask? Yes. Why? Is Ooh. that a dumb question? No, that's an excellent <laughs> question. That's, a dumb question. that's an excellent question. Okay. And I'll address it right now. Because okay. the main features of the Guidestones were the 10 dictates that were carved into both faces of the outer stone. So eight okay. in total in eight languages. English, okay. Spanish. Russian, traditional Chinese, Arabic, Hebrew, Hindi, and Swahili. Mm-hmm. Here are those dictates. Okay. One, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual uh. balance with nature. Uh. Two. Okay. It's going to be a culling then? Interesting. Uh, okay. Two, guide reproduction wisely. Improving fitness and diversity. I'm out. Three, unite humanity with a living new language. Four, 
rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And 10, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I'm not. A, I'm on board with most of them. There's a well, handful I could get yeah. down with. Well, these what what Christian told Findlay and Martin was, you know, when the world encounters some catastrophic event that's going to leave civilization demolished. These the, these dictates and this structure will help humanity rebuild. Mm. That's that's okay. the idea. Okay. And a capstone, okay. yeah, and a capstone in the middle of the structure had a mission statement in ancient languages, Egyptian hieroglyphics, classical Greek, Sanskrit, and Babylonian cuneiform. Okay. And the text is let these guidestone let these be guidestones to an age of reason. This thing was fucking huge. It's 19 feet high and it weighs 119 tons. And it was controversial before it was even done. As yeah. word of what these inscriptions were supposed to say spread, people started asking Wyatt Martin the banker why he was doing the devil's work. And a local minister, a guy named James Travenstead, said that occult groups would come to the Guidestones and warned that someday a sacrifice will take place here. (laughs) Charlie Clamp, the sandblaster who had to etch all of the lettering himself, said that during the hundreds of hours he spent working on the Guidestones, he often got distracted by what he called strange music and disjointed voices. It was finally done in early 1980, and in March... The Guidestones were unveiled in a community celebration in front of a couple hundred people. TV news crews came all the way from Atlanta to cover the event. This thing is in the middle of nowhere in Georgia. And the site pretty much immediately became a pretty big tourist destination, and it attracted visitors from all around the world to the middle of nowhere to see these weird fucking stones. Okay. For a while, news outlets were interested in finding out who R.C. Christian was, but when that trail ran cold, the media pretty much gave up. And so the Guidestones were more or less left alone for a while. Tourists came to visit, Elbert County got a lot of revenue, and life went on. In 2004, an internet weirdo then known as John Connor self-published a book made of blog posts called The Resistance Manifesto. John Connor is a fake name, probably mm. taken from the main character in The Terminator. Correct. Got yes. it. Okay. Connor said the Guidestones dictates were 10 satanic commandments meant to advance the cause of a worldwide cult and that R.C. Christian is actually a member of a Luciferian secret society. Of that society's cause, here's what he has to say. The Guidestones have a deep satanic origin and message. 
The elite are planning to develop successful life extension technology in the next few decades that will nearly stop the aging process, and they fear that with the current population of Earth so high, the masses will be using resources that the elite want for themselves. The Guidestones are the New World Order's Ten Commandments. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. Connor urged that the Guidestones be smashed into a million pieces and then the rubble used for a construction project. In 2008, it was revealed that John Connor's real name is Mark Dice, a right-wing Christian conspiracy theorist and all-around shithead who, uh, in 2008, led a boycott of Starbucks because he said the logo was slutty and he Mm. made a bunch of YouTube videos (laughs) saying that a bunch of celebrities are in the Illuminati and Super Bowl halftime shows are uh, Illuminati rituals to advance the gay agenda. Into it. Of course. Fun fact, in 2019, Mark Dice attended the White House Social Media Summit at then-President Donald Trump's express invitation. Oh. Okay. It's great, right? It's all great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this resistance manifesto, of course, led to greater publicity for the Guidestones, and more and more visitors are showing up, and the resulting Kashmani made Elbert County officials (laughs) even less inclined to get rid of the area's only tourist attraction. Seriously. Right? Because What's the harm at this course, point? Of course. The controversy helps. In 2007, white nationalist conspiracy grifter Alex Jones released what he has the audacity mm. to call a documentary. It's called Endgame Blueprint for Global Enslavement. It's two hours and 19 minutes of absolute horseshit. God. Oh my God. Okay. These are the things that I do for you listeners. No, I, you know, Edie, I really appreciate it. Cause I just can't make myself I not, do it. I did not watch the entire thing. I, I went Good. through, but if you're interested in uh, not watching two hours and 19 minutes, but listening to straight up nine hours, the excellent podcast knowledge fight has a, a series <laughs> where they go through everything in end game. And it is an absolute delight. Uh, the knowledge fight podcast is devoted to uh, debunking Alex Jones's bullshit. It's my favorite podcast. It's wonderful. So Alex claims in Endgame that the globalists, a satanic cabal of ultra-rich eugenicists who've been ruling the world in secret for centuries, want to eliminate most of human life on Earth and enslave the rest while the elites extend their lives with microchips. Hmm. And Alex Alex Jones, with the money he has, would not be the elite? You've got to buy his storable foods and f- find out and take his brain force pills. And he's just trying to wake you up. Yeah. He's just trying to wake you up. Well, you know, that's not is, a grip. That's, that's true. This is what Alex describes as the goal of the New World Order. He says the Rockefellers, Bilderberg Group, George Soros, the World Bank, the Council on Foreign Relations, world leaders. They're all part of this globalist conspiracy. And when Alex says globalists, he totally doesn't mean Jews, and you can't prove that he does. Right? You can't it, prove that. You can't prove it. You can kind of prove it. You can, you can kind of prove it. So in the movie, he brings up the Guidestones multiple times. He refers okay. to them as a testament to the elite's plan for a world religion, global laws, oh. with a global court and army to enforce it. And set in stone, it is written that the population never rise above 500 million. 
He describes the elite's goals, which he says the Guidestones codify. To have a two-class system, where the underclass are forced to live as slaves in tiny enclosed cities, while the elite enjoy the land of the earth, evolve into superhumans with the aid of advanced implantable technologies, live eternal lives, and travel throughout the cosmos. Uh-huh. Don't forget to mm-hmm. buy my tactical bath. You got. You gotta get the tactical bath. You gotta get the storable foods. And you mm-hmm. really, what you really gotta do is get the Infowars.com bumper stickers, like a hundred of them, and just just stick them around. Yeah, just stick them around you where you go. Yeah. yeah. God, what a fucking piece of shit. Seriously. So, in November 2008, the year after Endgame sharded its way into the zeitgeist, the Guidestones were vandalized for the first time. Painted mm-hmm. on the stones were messages like, Jesus will beat you, Satanist, and no one world government. Other graffiti claims that the Council on Foreign Relations is ran by the devil, that the 9-11 attacks were an inside job, and that then-President Obama was a secret Muslim. Of course. Does that sound familiar I to mean, you at all? Um, I mean, like, vaguely. Vaguely. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, maybe vaguely. I'm not yeah. hearing any bells ring. Right? No. No. Yeah, I'm just, I'm hearing things, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In September 2014, the Guidestones were vandalized again, but in, like, a slightly different way, because graffiti there left on the structure included messages like, I banish all darkness, and I am Isis, goddess of love. And because Ooh. it was 2014... And in I was going to say what you were saying. included the word ISIS. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Local authorities yeah. called the FBI, but it became pretty clear pretty quickly that like it, they don't mean that ISIS. It, it was the original meaning of ISIS. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about the Egyptian goddess. They're not talking mm-hmm. about the group. So after that, Elbert County officials installed security cameras to monitor the Guidestones. Okay. Keep that in your minds. Keep that in mind. Former elementary school teacher Candace Taylor ran for the Republican nomination for governor of Georgia this year in 2022 mm-hmm. on a platform of Jesus, guns, and babies. Taylor also. In that brought, order? That's what I want to ask her. In that order? Jesus, guns, and babies. One of these things is not like the other. Jesus. They all need to be. Guns protected. That's the one. That's the one I'm. I'm thinking about is the gun baby. Lauren Bobert also runs on that as well. Yeah, big time. Big time. Same thing. Oh yeah. Very similar shit. But Taylor, Candace Taylor, also promised to sign an executive order taking down the Georgia Guidestones. And in May, she released Mm. a two-minute-long campaign video on Twitter (laughs) all about the Guidestones. Yes. In the video, she talks about the COVID-19 vaccine being rushed to market and pushed on the population over slow motion footage of the Guidestones first dictate to keep the world population under 500 million. Oh my God. Uh, Okay. So she does believe in the, okay. She she believes that they are Mm -hmm. real. And because they are real. She's Christian. She thinks they're satanic, right? Yes. Yes, this is New World Order stuff. This is Satanic Cabal stuff. This is Luciferian stuff. And the the goal is population control. The COVID-19 vaccine is really a secret bioweapon that's going to kill us all. I wish. 
Sorry. I don't wish that. I take yeah, it. come on. <laughs> cut it out. Cut it out. Um, cut it out. They just like, anyway. Here's what she says. Human sacrifice is part of a demonic worship. We're still doing it in the present day by killing our unborn. Uh. <laughs> so over it. footage of Confederate monuments being torn down, Candace Taylor says, We've watched as people have destroyed our history and monuments, and in their place they have erected statues of their own gods. The new Wait. world order is here. Yeah, she's All equating. Right. If I n- never hear new world order again, it will be too soon. Guess what? You're going to hear it a lot. But mm-hmm. the new world well, order is here. So at that point, at the end, it's the end of the video and Candace, there's this like overhead drone shot of Candace, like walking up to the Guidestones, like she's David and it's Goliath. And then there's uh, on screen text that says executive order number 10, demolish the Georgia Guidestones. 10. All right. I don't know. I don't know what one through nine, but Uh, yeah, I have no idea. 10, maybe because of the 10 dictates. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Suffice it to say, Candace Taylor lost big time. I think she got like 3.4% of the Republican vote. On her website, there seemed to be like calls for people to sign affidavits saying that they voted for her. I think she might be trying to say like- She hasn't conceded. Her primary was rigged. I don't know. So it's- Well- Candace Taylor is doing her thing. Hmm. Now we get to this week, around 4 a.m. on July 6th, 2022, this week, surveillance footage shows a person running up to the Guidestones and laying an object or objects near the center, then running away. Soon after, video shows an explosion in which one of the Guidestones' (gasps) four outer slabs blew apart. Boom. Footage also shows a silver sedan with a sunroof leaving the scene. Uh, okay. This was all in four, four in the morning, like four days ago. Later that day, Elbert County demolished the rest of the structure for what they described as safety reasons. You know, those safety reasons. But you know, okay. I don't know. I think they're just like, okay, it's, it's no, no more. Y'all had your fun now. We're going <laughs> to get rid of it. Get the bulldozer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my favorite accent you've done get the bulldozer get the backhoe get the bulldozer backhoe what did you call me yeah. <laughs> say it to my face kevin backhoe all right <laughs> so the elbert county sheriff's department and georgia bureau of investigation are currently looking into it as of this recording on july 10th no suspects have been identified at around this is 10 30 a.m. This is we know it's a white podcast man. Hmm? I don't I don't I don't know that it's a white man. No, would you I, can't would I, I, I be I could... would I be shocked to discover <laughs> that it was a white man? No. I'm pretty sure he was wearing like a short sleeve sh- shirt on, I thought. I I will make but I no, could be wrong. um I'll I'll make um a person was shown. Yes. Running up person. to the guidestones, leaving an object or objects, and correct. running away. That is that is what Spoken I like can confidently lawyer. say. <laughs> That's what I can confidently say. Uh-huh. So at around 10.30 a.m. the day of the explosion, so July 6th, Candace Taylor tweeted this. 
God is good all by himself. He can do anything he wants to do. That includes striking down satanic guidestones. There's God. So why she's like a big bomb? fan. Couldn't Wait, God just do it with his God? God is that short sleeve wearing person? Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hell, don't doubt Candace Taylor. Oh, okay. Too late. Even though by the evening she kind of shifted into damage control mode. I was going to say, because that sounds like video. she did it. Well, she, right? she released a video clarifying her position. And this is ah, what she said. Okay. Y'all, if anyone says that I do not believe in law and order and that I would support vandalism, that I would support going outside of our legal system to demolish something, to vandalize something, they are a liar. I would never support that. That's Except crazy. in that same fucking video she also kind of claimed that she didn't think the guidestones were blown up at all at least not by human means oh my god sometimes people like to call vandalism instead of actually giving god credit because they don't want they don't know how to explain what happens when god moves so what do you mean? Until I see a, a video, man that, walk- she's putting that back on us. So until I see a video that shows me anything other than what looked like lightning or the hand of God moving on a situation, I'm gonna believe it was God. This was a fairly common immediate response from a lot of these like anti-cabal hyper Christians. Yeah. Is that it? It's not exactly that it was a false flag. It's that. The government is saying that it was a person who did it, and that's kind right, of a false flag because really we God. know it was God who struck and down the guidestones. God was shaped as a man in a T-shirt, and he ran up and put bombs down because that's what God does. People don't like giving God credit because they don't know how no, to explain people, what people happens hate when God moves. Giving God they hate giving God credit. Don't they don't constantly true. give God credit. It doesn't For happen everything. at every fucking football game. Yeah, what do you all mean? All across this great nation. It doesn't happen everyone. at every awards show. God, I hate, I hate. I, I know. Hate. So over the years, Alex Jones has wasted plenty of oh, airtime on the Guidestones. He returns to the well pretty regularly. My favorite of these videos is from November 2020. Okay. He visits the Guidestones, he just kind of walks around in circles and yells mm-hmm. about the Davos group, 5G, the stolen election, <laughs> and COVID vaccines for like 12 minutes. You mean and then at the very time. end, yeah, oh gosh, it's great. At the very end, he plugs Infowars.com and he says that B-teamer Owen Schroyer is going to be filling in for him on his actual show that day. Classic Alex. The best part of the video is footage that they actually released only this week. And that's when Ooh. Alex meatily ambles up to the structure <laughs> and super theatrically and very lightly punches one of the slabs. <laughs> okay. Because he's an alpha male. He's, he's got super male vitality. He's on brain force. Oh, so, so wait, so did, so did Alex destroy it with his Well, punch? the video that they put together with that new footage from that mm-hmm. same day of him punching the Guidestones. I think it's called something like Alex Jones helps destroy the Georgia Guidestones. And they're like, he does, he does this punch. And then like 18 months later, it is destroyed. And they do this, this, 
they show the bit, which is like five seconds of him going up and punching. Then they literally do a SpongeBob SquarePants insert of 18 months later and then oh, footage God. of the Guidestones exploding because they're really funny. They're really funny and they're really clever at Infowars.com. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking great. So with all I, of this in mind. Fine. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. Fine. With all of this in mind, it shouldn't surprise you that on July 6th, the day of the explosion, Alex devoted ages of airtime on his absolutely atrocious program to the Guidestone story. So after crowing about the explosion for a while, Alex brought on a guest, Georgia Congresswoman and human mm. trash bag, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Amazing. God, talk about a villain. Uh, I know, I know. Every bit of this story is like exactly what you think it's going to be, but it doesn't make it less disappointing or less infuriating. It's like a comic book. It's fucking exactly like a comic book. Oh gosh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, uh, They talk for like 45 minutes about a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of fucking terrible Mm -hmm. bullshit. But his first question- They make out in the corner when they're done. (laughs) His first question was to ask for her take on the Guidestones explosion. And here's part of what she said. I'm not a particular fan of them because I, you know, like you, am completely against the globalist agenda and against population control. It shows where we are today. There's really a war of good and evil going on and people are done with globalism. People are not going to go along with the new world order. So in the interview... Both Alex and Green compared blowing up the Guidestones with tearing down Confederate monuments and with Black Lives Matter protests, while at the same time claiming that they're not fans of vandalism or Absolutely not. No way, not no how. Absolutely not. Never, never, never. Don't ask them what they were doing in the lead up to January 6th. (laughs) No, you got to subpoena them for that and they won't even. And I'll, I'll close with this. Today. The front page of Infowars.com is running a poll. In response to the prompt, blowing up the Georgia Guidestones was blank. Readers can select one of four options. Wrong. Understandable. The right thing. Or heroic. And that's the story can of we, the Georgia Can I guess the majority of votes? I, I didn't know. I didn't want to do the poll because I didn't want to get emails from Alex. My my uh, oh, cookies are already fucked. Okay, 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 okay. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't want to engage with mm-hmm. Infowars.com. But I yeah, imagine. No, no, I asked because I don't want to go to Infowars.com. Yeah. <laughs> no. In my, I think my we all pretty much know what yeah. those results are going to be. Hero. We pretty much know. Hero. Heroic. Hero. Um, for... I, Listeners, for this source page, uh, A, I have 15 sources for this story. I spent Incredible. all work. of yesterday afternoon and evening on my you birthday watching all of this stuff. And any time that I uh, cite anything of Alex's, I cite Endgame. And in parentheses, I say, don't watch this movie. It sucks. And mm-hmm. um, anything from Infowars.com or his uh, video hosting website, Band.video, which he needs to run himself because he got kicked off of YouTube. <laughs> I do urge listeners to not click on them. Don't give Alex clicks. Yeah, please I don't. I regret do having that. given him clicks to do no, this the is research, for research for this story. This, that's different. You're not going yeah. there to check things out. You're, you're, like, you're able to then, you did it and you're telling other people what I'm it looks like. So you, we don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to and you shouldn't. Don't watch Endgame. 
So it sucks. Endgame sucks. And, you know, when I said earlier that this story is like everything that Edie's into, it's... No, it is. It's everything that Edie's into. It's everything that I'm into. Yeah, no, it's... Today's satanic panic. It's the satanic panic of back then. It's uh, conspiracy grifters. The satanic panic has never ended. It's never ended. It's never ended. And that's one of the things that got me so excited. It evolves, which is ironic. That's exactly it. It's a living thing, just like everything else. It has evolved. Yeah, and that's this story didn't even you miss the touch innocence. the QAnon response. Oh God, oh, God. yeah, that's a whole other. I episode. didn't. I I purposefully was like, I'm not even opening yeah, no, that can of worms know. because then I will never sleep again, and this story would yeah. have to be like a million years long. But um, suffice it to say that this, the whole, it's incredible. the fact that they got blown up. You know, we yeah. don't know who blew it up or why I they blew think- it up. God, we won't it know was yet. God but in a T-shirt with a lightning yeah. bolt. I mean, God works through people. He works through people every day. He, he works through not all people. in God's God's image. work is all around us. It's such fucking horseshit, and it's such a grift. And like mm-hmm. it, it, they're these fucking brain worms that infect people, and it's just yeah. terrible. And uh, that mainstream media is also like kind of teeing about it like yeah. it's funny i mean it is funny but it's also like really emblematic of how yeah absolutely out of this world mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. much of what's becoming more and more mainstream yep. in the right wing yep. it's really and like we're not a political podcast but these days in the year of our lord 2022 mm-hmm. a lot of this spoopy stuff especially satanic panic stuff yeah really is inextric- inextricably linked to mm-hmm today's current political climate. So without getting too into it, this is just, I mean, this is Edie in a nutshell, this story. And it was, it does perfectly encapsulate you. And I thank you so much for sharing this with us here on this day of the Lord. (laughs) Oh my God. Guys, bless your heart. I'm having flashbacks. I hate it. I hate this. I don't. No, I, I just I think I'm Beverly that. Leslie from Will and Grace. Oh my well, God. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. <laughs> well, well, well. Uh, Leslie Jordan, what a what a treat. What a treasure. God damn it. I hope yes. he lives forever. Forever. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode with Hair. Uh, Thanks, we're y'all. on episode number 32. Miss. Yeah. Where in Tarnation can they find us on the interwebs? Well, if you want to find us, you can go to www.creepyinquiriespod.com. I'm losing the accent. Mm. Or you can, if you could be so kind, you could give us a little rate or review. We would love it and appreciate it so much. And if you have a suggestion like Rachel did, please send us an email. You can do that at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com or you can hit Mm. us up on Instagram, which is where we are for socials for most of the time um, at creepyinquiriespod. And just thank Mm -hmm. you for listening. We sure do appreciate it. Y'all come back now. Yeah. 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 Y'all come back now. Yeah. Watch the banjo. voice court and email creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com and tell me what yes. Is my yes. marriage yes. doomed? <laughs> yeah, is, this, is, is it a good sign or a bad sign? <laughs> I can't wait for these responses. <laughs> I know, me too. Thank you so much for listening and until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.